Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Iman, coming to you live March 19th. It's Sunday, 11.15 p.m., a special late night March Madness edition again. Uh, it's been a great weekend and we're going to close it down with a pod to hopefully get everybody's week started off right. Um March Madness has been nice, man. I tell you, uh, this is the first year. So Jack's 17 now. And, uh, you know, he's all the way into, like, March Madness now, making brackets and all that other stuff. Uh, so it's been really cool. We've literally spent the last two days watching March Madness on TV, and he's, like, living and dying on every, you know, trip up and down the floor. So it's been cool. Um, me, him, and his mom, we normally do a little bracket at the house, but I see he's kind of evolved into doing brackets at home. And I think as of the conclusion of the game tonight, he's still leading his bracket with his friend. So that's a good thing. Um, teaching him to compete early. Teaching him good game theory on how to win office pools. I'm just kidding. But um, it's been fun. I You know, no baseball this weekend, so I got an opportunity to go down to uh, Laurenburg yesterday with him and Holt and my father-in-law. Um, and Jack got to watch him play 18 holes of tournament golf, which was nice. Didn't have the outcome we wanted, but again, anytime I get to actually make it to a tournament during baseball season and watch him tee it up and regardless of the outcome, uh, it's fun, uh, getting to spend time with your family and, and seeing him do something he loves. I know he was disappointed. He didn't hit it the way he wanted to, um, had a few errors, little self, self-induced errors there, um, but he just, if you know his backstory and kind of how he's, how he got to where he's at as a golfer, it's just really an incredible story of just overcoming a lot. And, you know, when he was born, his left hand, the, uh, his, you know, it's hard to explain it from an audio standpoint, but the way he has to grip the golf club, he basically has to grip the golf club with his, his thumb and his uh, pointer finger. And uh, it's just incredible to see him, like, how he does that. And I'm just real proud of him, the things he's had to overcome in his life uh, on the baseball field and golf uh, and all that. It just – I always tell him, I said, dude, one day you're going to be an inspiration to some kid somewhere who, you know, has the same condition that he had that he was born with. And I'm just real proud of him. Um a lot of people wouldn't have pushed through the way he has. A lot of people wouldn't have put the work in that he's put in to be where he's at. And I, you know, I know he's not exactly where he wants to be from a how he's scoring every time he goes out there standpoint. But I just couldn't be more proud of him. Um, and I know his mom couldn't be more proud of him for where he's at. So, Jack, if you're listening, we love you. Proud of you. Keep pushing along, son. It's gonna good things are going to happen to you, whether it's in golf, life, whatever, you're you're destined for really good things. So anyway, so that was my weekend. Uh, the Bruins pulled off a big one Friday night against the Red Foxes to move to 2-0 and in the region. Uh, we had a big week. Had, um, you know, obviously swept the Red Foxes. We won a 2-1 to baseball game, really, truly a pitcher's duel. Um, John Alexander pitched for uh, Hartsville. Really impressed with that kid. He was, you know, mid-80s all night. Hard arm side run, off speed stuff that dropped about ten had he had about a ten to twelve mile per hour gap between his fastball and his uh off speed stuff and it was nasty. Uh, he was really good. Um, I think the scouting report I had for him was like low eighties, but he was bumping 
you know, 85, 86 all night. So um, that dude can play. He's going to be able to definitely pitch at the next level. So if you're looking for a right-handed pitcher, kind of three-quarter arm slot, arm slot who just competes his ass off, John Alexander of Hartsville, great guy. Um, I feel sure that we haven't seen the last of them. So, um, but it was it was big. Uh, anytime you can walk away with uh, a sweep against Hartsville, it's a it's a big thing. So I want to give a shout out to some of our guys who had big weeks last week. I know last week we talked about the varsity stat leaders, so we'll talk about them again this week for uh, three thirteen through three eighteen. We'll start with our two pitchers, um, Dylan Weagle, the Weeks. Big complete game, seven innings, two hits, eight strikeouts, one earned run on Friday night. Just a phenomenal job. Uh, that moves him to 3-0 and on the year. He's got one save, 24 Ks, .87 ERA. I think he's got like three walks. Just really doing a phenomenal job. Uncommitted. Um, he's another one. Just, you know, he's got an opportunity to pitch. He's, he's just very he, – from a left-handed pitcher standpoint, his off-speed stuff is phenomenal. A lot of movement, locates well. Um, but he's really just turned the page this year with his ability to compete. And um, he goes out there and he gives us a chance every time he's on the mound. He ain't gonna blow. He ain't gonna blow 85, 89, whatever by you. But he's gonna, you know, make you pound it into the dirt all night. And and uh, he's gonna keep you off balance. So just. He's come a long way in a year with the way he competes. So, Weeks, we're real proud of you. It was a great week you had and a great start to your season. Um, AP, Aiden Palmer, senior, uh, threw a complete game, two hit shutout, 17 Ks on Tuesday night, moves to 3 0 on the year, 38 Ks, um, zero runs allowed. I think he's only given up two hits all year, uh, and those were against Hartsville. So, uh, just a phenomenal job for him. He's actually. Going into Tuesday night this week, he's 13K shy of breaking the late Todd Martin's career mark at South Lawrence of 274 career strikeouts. So, you know, just a huge testament to to the amount of work that kid's put in. Um, and he's done it the right way. And, you know, he faced a lot of adversity along the way, you know, did a lot of great things as a sophomore. Then think spotlight hit him a little bit as a junior and he had to battle through that and had a great year and had a lot of growth as a person and came into a senior year and had to do some more growing. And, um, you know, he's, uh, I've had the opportunity to play, watch that kid play ball since he was about five years old and, um, just real proud of him. And, and he's definitely one we're going to miss, definitely going to miss that kid next year. Cause it's, I mean, it's the last year I get a chance to coach him and I've seen him grow all the way up from the coach pitch field to where he's at right now. And just couldn't be more proud of him. Um, okay. Offensively, we've got Wyatt Williams, the birthday boy on Friday, just turned 17. Uh, had a big week, four for seven, double RBI and a run scored. Uh, he's hitting 571 on the season, four doubles, 12 RBIs on our cleanup spot. Um, he's a guy, a first year varsity baseball. His brother is actually J.R. Williams, who I've talked to a lot about a lot on this uh, this podcast. But uh, just phenomenal job as a first year player, first year varsity player. Just gets up there, competes. I'll tell you the thing he does that I love the most: the way he runs the bases. Um, he just really gets after it, and 
and he's a guy, if you, you know, you look at him, you say, there's no way this guy can run, but he actually can. He's really good at it because he's really worked hard at perfecting his craft. So great job, Wyatt. Chandler Thompson, another junior, another guy I've coached for a long time. Uh, Chandler had a big night on Friday. Um, he got in a bad collision with our shortstop, Hunter Matthews, on Tuesday and actually had to miss a game last week. Had to go to the hospital. You know, it was bad. Um, but got discharged. Luckily, nothing was broken. Uh, sat out the game on Thursday, came back Friday, and had two massive hits. Um, in fact, both of our runs were scored as a result of, uh, let's see, well, the the go ahead the go ahead run we scored was actually a RBI single by Chandler in the sixth inning. So he went two for five on the week RBI run scored in a walk. On the year, he's batting 323, 607 OBP, four RBIs. He's actually chasing my um, hit-by-pitch record that I got at South Orange. He's been hit-by-pitch eight times. So um, I think the career record's 27. I, I hold that, but him and Noah Moore are well on their way to breaking that. Chandler's also got six stolen bases on the year. So great week for him. Another guy, first-year varsity player, um, hits lead off for us, just – Dude's a dirt bag, gets after it. One of the smartest baseball players I've ever coached. So great week, Chandler. Luke Miller, senior. Love Luke. Um, another one that I'm going to miss next year. You know, he's just another one I've seen play since he was about 12 years old, maybe a little bit younger. But Luke went four for eight on the week, two doubles, three runs scored, stolen base. Uh, he's hitting 667 on the year, six doubles, 11 RBIs, 15 runs, and five stolen bases. So Luke just continues to swing a hot stick. Um, Luke's actually hitting cleanup for us. I think I said Wyatt was hitting cleanup. Wyatt's hitting fifth. Luke's hitting cleanup. But uh, he's a two-way dude, man. I mean, the guy throws in the low 90s, and he hits cleanup for a 4A program, and he freaking rakes. Um, so... He's off to an extremely hot start and, uh, you know, looking forward to see him continue that going into this week against Myrtle Beach. So I'll talk a little bit about Myrtle Beach. Coach Tim Christie, his crew over there. Coach Christie's one of the legends in South Carolina, phenomenal coach. Um, he's one of the true guys that, like, in my opinion, like you you know that even on the years that maybe he's down a little bit in talent, um, those guys are going to play the game hard, uh, and he's going to coach them up, and and those guys are going to play hard for him. So they always, you know, even when they're down, they come in and they sneak up and they they beat some teams that people would say, ah, there's no way that they're going to lose. So, you know, that was a message Coach Gray gave, gave our guys the other night is, you know, don't overlook those guys because they may be young, you know, whatever, but they compete, they play hard, and, you know, that is not a get, you know, overlooked spot for us. So we know what we're stepping into. It's another Hornets nest. Anytime you have a road game in Region 6 4A, it's it's a, it's a tough game. Um, so, you know, we got them Tuesday night on the road, and then they're coming to us Friday night. So uh, looking to get to 4-0. and If we can get to 4-0 and this week, that's going to set us up for a massive matchup the following week with North Myrtle Beach, who – you know, they're top five team in the state, one of the best teams in 4A. Um, I think they got about nine college guys on their roster. I mean, they're a great baseball team. So 
we'll get through this week, see where the chips fall this week, and then, you know, we'll talk about them next week. But I wanted to give a uh, shout out to a couple of people as well. Um, and, and any high school coaches listening to this, <laughs> if you haven't taken the time to start a an alumni association for your program, you need to do it. We started one at South Florence a couple of years ago. It's $25 per year to join. We put a banner up with all of our alumni who, who joined, plus, you know, give them the option to do it in memory of, you know, a different alumni. And I think this year we were, we got like 75 guys um, who donated. And, and um, it's just a really good thing. We've got a Facebook page um, as well that's just alumni only. And, um, just the camaraderie and and I think it's great for your current players to know the history of your program and know the guys that have been through there. Um, so we started that a couple of years ago, and I tell you the uh, the involvement of those alumni. You know, they come to our games, they talk to our players. It's just a great thing. So if you're not doing that, you should do it. Um, and to all of our alumni the ones that are active in Facebook, our Facebook chat, uh, the ones who donate money every year. Um, saw John Chase there. You know, always, he's been a huge supporter of our program for a long time. We appreciate everything John does for us. Uh, it was great to see him and his wife and, and their two kids that came out to the game. Uh, Pat Jordan, you know, he's a 76 guy, so the lower state championship team. You got uh, Tim Johnson was there, Tony Jones, uh, Robbie Matthews. Just a bunch, a bunch of guys get out and support us, and I just want to tell you guys, thank you for that. Um, thank you for everything that you guys do. Our our kids appreciate it. So thank y'all. All right, I think that's all I got there. So time to jump into the topic, and this one's gonna ruffle some feathers, but I don't care because some of y'all out here. Y'all need to hear it. Um, before I start, thank you to everybody who continues to listen. Wherever we are over five thousand listens now. Um, our coaches' corner episode with Coach Rhodes. It's now over five hundred listens. Uh, by far the big the the biggest episode. So, shout out to Coach Rhodes and and all the people who've who've listened since then and who go back and listen to the other episodes. Um, if you've listened to one episode, find a couple other episodes that that uh, hit home for you because there's good lessons to be learned in each one. But, you know, this is episode 17. Um, I'll have it uploaded tonight. Uh, I'll have the art, the correspondent article uploaded to CoachHyman.com and to people who are uh, Subscribe to my Substack. You'll get a copy in your email inbox in the morning about seven thirty, with a link to this podcast plus the article. But thank you to everybody who continues to contribute, uh, whether it be by viewing, reading, listening, submitting quick questions, asking questions, um, giving me feedback, positive and negative. I mean, thank you all for everything you're doing because I truly didn't think that this would continue going, but just I had no idea that it would get this type of following and, and, and all that. So I just appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it's helped me find something that's been therapeutic for me. It's been uh, something I'm real passionate about and I love. Um, so I'm going to try to continue to deliver content and, you know, 
I'd appreciate any in any input you guys can continue to give to, on topics that you want to hear about, questions you may have, and stuff like that. So I want to deliver stuff that's that's uh, relevant to the stuff that y'all want to hear. So just keep it coming. Thank you for everything. And as always, number one way you can help, share it with a friend. If you hear something that hits home for you, that makes you think of somebody else, share it with them. Hey, nothing personal. I listened to this. I thought it might help you. Boom. Listen to it. Read it. Whatever you have to do. Um, and that's that. And and this this topic tonight, a parent's guide to avoiding to avoid becoming an over-involved parent. This is huge. Okay, because there are parents in our baseball program now who need to hear this. And that's not an insult. That's just, there's people who need to hear this at all levels of sports, whether you have a kid in our middle school program or you have a kid in on our JV or varsity program or you have a kid who goes to West Florence or Wilson or, you know, wherever. This is an important topic. And it's one of the biggest issues uh, that's ripping away a great experience for our kids. And I know you think, oh, my God, is he really about to? I am about to go here, okay, because as a coach, I'm tired of watching it because it's honestly, it's ruining our kids. It's taking away what should be some of the best memories and some of the best lessons and everything else that that they get should come from high school sports. But some of you are just flat out ruining that experience and it's got to stop or eventually there's not going to be any high school sports left because the kids are going to be long out of the game before they get to high school and the coaches, they're just going to get tired of dealing with y'all. And I, I say that respectfully because I'm telling you, there's kids I've coached who like we spend a ton of time just trying to build their confidence up, build their skills up, um, you know, all this stuff only for it to get undone the minute they get in the car, the minute they get home and you start blasting them about what they did or didn't do at the game tonight you know, or why they weren't in the starting lineup or why this or why that, you know, just we got to stop. Okay. And that's kind of going to be the topic of all, of everything tonight. So, um, when I say over-involved parent, I'm going to try to explain what I mean by that. I don't mean the over, over-involved over in terms of what you do for the program, okay? one I've said this before. One of the most annoying things that people ever said about some of the parents I know, people like Shannon Hardy, Sean Thompson, uh, Tony Moore, uh, just trying to – back when I played my dad – um, Bob McBride, when, when my buddy Sean was playing, one of the most in, uh, just annoying things that people used to do is say, well, that kid's only playing because of what his dad does. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, I was going to play because I was a damn good baseball player. Sean McBride was going to play every day, not because of Bob McBride, but because of what Sean did every day. Will Hardy was going to play because of what Will Hardy did every day. Jake Hardy, same thing. Chandler Thompson, same thing. Noah Moore, same thing. Austin Moore, same. Has nothing to do with parents' involvement level. Somewhere along the way, there became this like weird thing that like my kid's not doing what I want him to do, so I'm gonna blame it on you know 
this guy buttering up to the coaches, which that anyways, real annoying. So if you're that parent who says stuff like that, just you sound stupid and just stop because your kid, your kid hears that. And it's like, makes them feel some type of way. And it, it just turns into a disaster. Okay. That's not happening. Okay. There's a reason why your kid's not playing as much as you like. It has nothing to do with whose dad cuts the grass and who bought the drag. And well, he gave a hundred dollars versus 25 to the alumni association. Don't be that person. Okay. Your coaches, your kids' coaches, they're putting the development of your kid and the players at the forefront of everything they do and every decision they make is for the best, uh, is for what's best for their program. Nobody wakes up today and says, hey, instead of trying to go out and win baseball games today, I'm going to try to make a bunch of parents happy. Doesn't happen. Because your happiness level isn't going to guarantee that we have jobs next year, right? So... Anyways, okay, so, but back to what the over-involved parent actually is. And if you want to do a little science experiment, a social experiment, next time you're at a game, pop your chair down somewhere off to the side, okay? Look around, listen, observe, okay? The over-involved sports parent, they show themselves very quickly. Okay, and it's normally something they say or their reaction to what's happening. And normally, if you can pick up on it, there's a good chance that you're a former offender um, or you're a concerned parent who's noticed the impact that the over-involved parent has had on their own child. Okay, and, and when you're smart enough to identify that yourself, you understand how hard it is to watch that because you've seen the impact it's had on that person's child, okay? So the person we're talking about is we're talking about that super tight, super just wound tight parent who's living and dying on every action their child makes on the field. Yeah. As a coach, I spend a tremendous amount of time being really pissed with these parents, okay? Because they're ruining it for their kids. They're ruining it for their kids, and they're ruining any chance their kid has to be successful as an app as an as an athlete. And you know, I can speak on this like this because I was once an over-involved parent. Okay. I've that's well documented. I've talked about that a lot. Okay. The over-involved parent involved parent stands out to me like a sore thumb. Um, because I know what you feel. I know what you're feeling. I know what you think. And I know the negative impact you're having on your child, okay? So I'm kind of coming to you as like a recovering OIP and then a coach who can't stand it when the OIP, and, and that's over-involved parent, I'm calling them the OIP because it's hard to say over-involved parent. Um, I'm coming to you as the coach also who's like, please stop. You are getting in the way of what we're trying to accomplish, Okay, we're trying to teach your children to be not me-centric, my feelings, my emotions, my stats, and more team-centric, okay? Because the only way teams can accomplish what they need to accomplish is by having everybody drink from the same water hose. And you can't have everybody drinking from the same water hose when your child is worried about me, 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 okay? So with all that said, 
I'm going to give you some perspective, give you some tips, offer you some insight, you know, all free of charge. I'm going to have to pay anything for this. And you don't have to listen to anything, any of it. I mean, you don't have to take any of my advice. It's just not a bad idea. Okay. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, trying to help you not make the same mistakes. So first two things you have to understand. Okay. And I've talked about this on a previous podcast. We talk about identity, identity. Okay. Your identity. I feel like I said that really weird. Your identity, identity, your identification. Okay. Is not tied to your child's performance. Okay. That's step number one. Step number two is, well, we'll talk about step number two in a second, but this is like 101 for OIP. Okay. When your child goes 0 for 4, when they go 3 for 12 from the field in basketball, when they fumble the ball three times in a football game, strike out four times, etc., your identity as a parent does not change, okay? And I used to struggle with this as a parent, and I used to struggle with this as a coach. Um, when your child or player has a bad game, it doesn't mean you're a trash parent. doesn't mean you're a trash coach. It just means that kid had a bad night, right? They had a tough night. Maybe they were overmatched. Maybe they weren't focused. Maybe the moment got too big. Maybe they had a bunch of uh, stuff going on outside of the fence that impacted their ability to compete tonight. It's normal. And guess what? It's not going to be the last time it happens, okay? And as a parent, what your child needs from you in these moments when they get in the car, get home from a, a tough night, um... They don't need the added pressure of feeling like they made you look bad. What they need from you is encouragement uh, so they can get up and face the world again tomorrow, right? They need you to help them have the courage to go fight another day. And uh, when we're beating our kids down about their performance, which is now in the past that we cannot do anything about, right? Um we're making it difficult for them to be able to get up and go compete again tomorrow. And you can say whatever you want to say about it. You can say, well, that's soft. That's whatever. That's, yeah, you could say that. Uh, I disagree with it. Um, you know, if they do something from a sportsmanship standpoint that needs to be corrected, yeah, that's a different story. But, you know, if your kid goes out there and lines out to the shortstop three times tonight and you're mad because they went over three, that's a you problem, man. And you got to fix that shit like ASAP. Because you definitely are going to ruin your kid. Um, and I mean, it starts at the youngest levels, man. Like, y'all got to clean that stuff up. Like, all you people playing 9U travel ball right now, clean it up. Okay? You got to clean it up. Because 9-year-old kids don't need to be having all this added pressure put on them that, that a lot of y'all are putting on them. So, um. Another thing I would just say about that is, you know, from an obligation standpoint, your obligations tomorrow don't change because of your child's great performance or their bad performance. Nobody's going to be holding a press conference tomorrow to talk about what a trash parent you are because your kid made three errors last night. Although some of us think think that. Um, now, if you get out there and act like a moron, like a lot of you do, that people will be sitting around their dinner table tomorrow saying, can you imagine the hell that kid goes through? the hell that he has to live in. Have you seen how his dad acts at the games? That's a real thing. Okay. And that's a real thing I lived through. 
Okay, I remember Jack was playing uh, all, an all-star tournament down in uh, Pamplico when he was about nine years old. And uh, I don't remember this dad's first name, but I know his last name was Perry. And I think he had two kids. He was a military guy. Um, but I remember we were down there playing, and I was acting like an absolute idiot. Okay, nine, 9U or 9-year-old All-Star Tournament. Blasting my kid. He was playing shortstop. I can still remember where I was seeing. You know, I got the chair pulled up to the front gate, you know, to the fence right next to that on-deck circle so I could, you know, offer some last-minute advice and, you know, all the things that parents do. Okay, blasting my kid, blasting the umpire, making every parent around me feeling uncomfortable. It was extremely embarrassing. Okay, looking back, it was it was embarrassing because back then I felt like his performance was making everyone look at me and say, wow, you suck at life. Your kid should be better than that. You were a college baseball player. Why does your kid suck so bad? You know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Looking back, I know how ridiculous it is. Don't be that guy. I'll never forget that dad. He was sitting like three rows down from me and you could just like looking back. I remember like thinking I didn't see it in the moment, but. Right now, it's like I can see all these parents just like extremely uncomfortable being around me because of how ridiculous I was acting. And this dad like felt really bad for my wife, I could tell, because I'd like got up and left and she told me later. She was like, yeah, he was like, how do you live with that guy? I thought that was funny at the time. Don't don't be like that. Do not be that person that everybody's sitting around being like, well, I wonder when he's going to blow up. How do how do those people live with him? Don't do it because once you realize you're that guy, it's a terrible feeling, okay? We got to move away from that. All right, next. While we're talking about identity, this is the second concept before we start talking about the action items. Your child's identity is also not tied to their performance, okay? And this is, I know I've talked about this in the past, but I'll expand on it a little bit here. This is if there could be a college course on this, this would be 102 or 201, right? Um, I think the most important thing about sports is remembering why our kids play sports. They play sports because they build character. They teach our kids vital lessons that they can't learn anywhere else, right? Sports are absolutely instrumental in teaching our kids how to embrace a role, execute a role, how to be a contributing member of a team, and teaching our kids how to be leaders, right? Sports are something our kids do. They aren't what our kids are, okay? Their identity has nothing to do with their performance, and it's extremely important we drive that point home through our actions, right? When they get into the car after a tough night at the field, or really after any night at the field, regardless of whether they went four for four or over four, they're the same person to us right now than they were when they woke up this morning, right? Before their poor performance or their great performance transpired. Now, over the course of those eight, nine, ten hours, however long it's been since you saw them, hopefully they learned some lessons, right? And maybe those lessons, maybe what happened to them today taught them something. Maybe they learned a, va a valuable lesson that's going to help them push down a new path. Or maybe it was something else that caused them happiness or pain that will impact their decisions moving forward. 
but nothing that happened uh, that happened today performance-wise on a field should change their feelings of self-worth and how they view themselves. 20 years from now, nobody's going to be talking about what they did on that random Tuesday night uh, in that non-region baseball game, okay? What people will be talking about 20 years from now is how that per- how your child makes people feel, what they contribute to other people's lives, and the impact they have on the world around them. That's what people will be talking about. They won't be talking about how you did against Marlborough County on Tuesday, March the 20th. And I don't know why I said Marlborough County there, just for whatever reason, they're the first one that popped up. Um, and some of you aren't going to like this. But the same holds true academically. Okay? Doesn't matter if your kid's first in their class or last in their class. It's not their identity. Okay? I finished 310 out of 315 in high school. Okay? If I would listen to some of y'all... I, I shouldn't be where I'm at right now. But luckily, I missed that memo that my value and future were tied to where I ranked academically in school. Okay. Um, are academics important? They absolutely are. Okay. Giving great effort, completing your task, studying, all that other stuff. Yeah, that's that's critical. Okay. But... Some of y'all out there gaming the system and doing all this other stuff to try just so you, just so you, not not your child, you can say, well, my kid was number one or my kid was number five or my kid finished in the top 1% or 2% or 10%. Like, it's a real thing, okay? And none of that's going to have any impact on where they are 20 years from now. It's not. Nobody asked me, hey, Brandon, where'd you finish in high school when I interviewed for a job? They just don't. So, yeah, like from a personal accomplishment standpoint, yeah, hey, that's a good, hey, I think it speaks volumes of of your dedication and your work ethic and all that other stuff uh, for somebody to be able to say, hey, I was valedictorian, or hey, I finished in the top 15, or hey, I finished in the top 20 out of 700 people, or whatever. That 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 is important. I'm not discounting that. But that's not your child's identity. It's not. Some I, I know some people are going to disagree with that, and that's okay. I'm just saying, for me, like, I, I know what my kid's all about. He works his tail off. In sports and academics, I think he's top five in his class. I'm not like, hey, dude, let's really push hard to finish valedictorian. You know, hey, let's take five extra, you know, AP courses next semester so we can jump ahead of the person who's who's second and third. Some people are like that, and that if if you're like that, that's okay. All I'm saying is, if you're doing it for you. Because you want to feel like you're accomplished as a parent, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If you're making your child feel like, you know, their worth as a human being is tied to that name, that valedictorian, that salutedictorian, that whatever, then you're preaching the wrong message. I'm just telling you, okay? Do they give great effort? Do they work hard at it? Do they cut corners or do they not cut corners? Okay? 
Are they good people? That's the stuff that matters, okay? And then just let the chips fall where they fall, okay? So, anyways, I know that's going to ruffle some feathers, but I'd be in, I'd, I'd be interested in, very, you know, different takes on that. So, some, somebody disagrees with that and feels like I'm wrong, let me know. We can talk about it. So, all right, those are the two things that you have to just off the rip. We have to identify and say, hey, um, my identity is not tied to this. And my as, as, a, as a child, my identity is not tied to this. And as an adult, my identity is not tied to my child's performance. Okay, that's important. Now, what kind of action items can we do to ensure that we're not becoming an over-involved parent? Okay, and I've got four. Or it might be three. Nope, it is four. Okay. Number one. Stop living vicarious. Nope, actually, this is not number one. Is it? Okay, well, we'll start. We'll make stop living vicariously through your child number one. Then we'll go back up. So, uh, and the key takeaway here is your glory days are over. You had your shot. Now let your child have theirs. This experience is not yours. It is theirs, right? I see this a lot. Um, We run into problems when you look around and you've got parents who want success uh, more than their child does. We have even bigger problems when you have parents whose definition of success is different than what our team definition of success is. And what I mean by that is, when you've got a kid who, you know, okay, let's just say that a kid comes up, there's a runner on third base with one out, okay? That kid hits a ground ball to the shortstop, gets thrown out at first, and the run scores, okay? If you find yourself as a parent being really upset about the fact that your kid doesn't have a hit in that situation instead of celebrating the fact that he just did something huge for the team, you know, drove a run in, even though he's going to be 0 for 1 afterwards, your definition of success is different than the team's definition. And as a result of that, your child probably is going to constantly struggle with, like, buying into what the team goals are and what the team expects of them because they're constantly going to be battling the, you know, justification from from you, the parent, about what a quality of bat looks like or what success looks like, okay? Um. Just a, just a thought, okay? But, you know, one of the great things about being a parent, and it took me a long time to figure this out, okay? So, like, I, again, I say all these things because I'm speaking to you people from experience, okay? Because I've been there. I've done that. I got the T-shirt. I screwed up some of the greatest moments that my oldest child went through. And uh, that's why now, through his golf career, I just sit back and I watch him play, and I enjoy it. And I don't try to coach him. You know, unless it's like an effort thing. I don't have to coach his effort because he gives great effort. He works harder than anybody I know. Okay. But one of the great things about being a parent is sharing in these moments in sports. Okay. But it's so important that we don't confuse sharing in those moments with living through your child. Okay, sharing in the ups and downs and making memories is totally different than making the entire situation about you, your emotions, uh, and how your child's play makes you feel. You know, that type of behavior is a huge contributor to the me-centric world, um, 
our young athletes are being taught is normal. And we got to move away from it because it's not about you, not about your emotions. So, you know, stop living vicariously through your child. And I'll, I'm going to preface this. I'll, I'm going to say all that. I should have prefaced this earlier. I've been coaching for six years at the high school level. There have been kids that I've coached in the past that parents had a lot of these issues. But for the most part, we've had great parents. As a result, we had great kids. But every once in a while, parents get frustrated just like kids do. And you find yourself picking up on some of these bad habits. So if you're a parent of a kid I'm, we coach currently and you're listening to this thinking like, what a jerk, I can't believe he's saying this to me. I, I, I'm not sorry if it offended you, but just know we've got great parents. So this isn't me saying we've got trash parents. This is more about like the bigger picture and not like a South Lawrence thing. So I just want to clear that up. Okay, now we cleared that up. All right, step number two, uh, or sorry, action item number two. Stop coaching from the bleachers. Your kids hate it, and so do their coaches, okay? It's embarrassing to them, and it's insulting to the people who invest their time into trying to help your son or daughter be the best person and athlete they can be. Uh, Coach Timo, he coaches with us. He says it best. I'm stealing this from him. As a parent, how would you feel if your child's coach showed up at your job stood in the hallway outside of your office and just started yelling random wrong things about how you could do your job better. You know how ridiculous that sounds, okay? That's what everyone else is thinking when you're yelling from the bleachers all the wrong things that your child needs to be doing in that moment. So just stop it. Like, that was action item number one, and it don't don't be get your elbow up, Dad. Okay? Get your elbow up. Swing it strikes. Stop taking fastballs down the middle. Field the ball. You gotta catch those. Like, what? Thanks, Bill outstanding advice what like what are you doing anyways stop coaching from the bleachers just be an observer enjoy the game if you get frustrated be frustrated with yourself if you want to be a coach go get a coaching job and then you can coach 35 plus kids a year but until then stop coaching from the bleachers a lot of you are not qualified to coach from the bleachers like the stuff that you're saying and teaching and like, we've been spending years trying to correct it. Now, I'm not saying we're always right, because we're certainly wrong about some things, but just stop. Okay, action item number three. Stop trying to develop your kids too quickly, okay? And I see this happen a lot in baseball, and the result is always the same, Okay. Most of the kids are burnt out by the time they get to high school when they really have to work hard at progressing, at progress and getting bigger, faster, stronger, all those other things. Okay, if you're playing 8U and 9U travel ball six weekends in a row, and then on top of it, you're playing rec ball two nights a week, and then, you know, little Johnny's got a pitching lesson on Monday, then he's got hitting lessons with his private instructor on Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
you are like really putting your kid down that path to to um, being in a bad spot. Okay, you know, and this really is like an overwhelm just a the overwhelming overwhelming theme about developing too quickly is we're asking our kids to do too much way too early. And the reason almost always comes back to the parents, okay? Parents are so afraid of their kid being left behind. They're so afraid of their kid missing that scholarship offer, missing that select team invite, or missing that draft spot that in the process we forget and miss the fact that because of this extreme specialization that they're putting on kids at an early age, they're going to end up hating the game by the time they're 12, okay? And that's not good. It's important that your kids get quality instruction early on. It's important that they, you know, find a good coach, play on a good team. But it's got to be done within reason. And there still has to be an emphasis on letting them be kids too, okay? Because I'm just telling you, like, when you get – I'm going to use Noah Moore as an example, okay, because – Noah's a multi-sport athlete. Okay, so Noah went and won a state championship in football this year. Uh, him, him, Hunter McClary. I'll use Hunter McClary as, a, as an example. And Landon Matthews. Um, they were all on that team. Now, for, if I'm forgetting somebody, I don't think I am on our varsity team currently. Okay. Those dudes play football, okay, from August till December. All right. They play baseball from January until June, okay? At some point over the summer, they're playing baseball and doing football. On top of it, they're also in the weight room every day uh, and doing all this other stuff, okay? These are high school athletes, okay, where the stakes are much higher. You're playing for something. People depend on you, okay, and all this other stuff. Okay, that's totally different than you packing full your nine-year-old schedule with baseball games, um, gym visits, travel tournaments every weekend, rec games during the week, private instructors three times a week. Like that that's ridiculous. Okay. Because they are going to be burnt out by the time that they actually have to do all that to be able to keep up with 90% of the people around them, right? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of good things from a, from a development standpoint early on. My one challenge to a lot of you is take a slight step back if you find yourself doing it every weekend with a bunch of eight and nine-year-olds. Because the end game is you... Your whole reason for doing it is because you want to get them ready for the next step. And that's good. That's what we should be doing. But just don't overdo it in the process to where they hate the game by the time that the stakes actually get high. And they've got to do all that stuff every day, all year long, um, to be in that top 1% or 2% or whatever. So that's all I got there. Um, and the last action item is stop making your happiness your child's responsibility. Okay, and this kind of goes along with the first thing I said, but I just want to expand on it a little bit. And some people are going to disagree with this. I don't care. But if you disagree, let me know why you disagree. 
because a lot of people can't give me a good reason why they disagree on this. They just say, well, that's that's dumb. I don't I don't agree with that because that's kind of a loser mentality. It's not. OK, when you show up to your child's practice or you show up to watch them play, they should know how happy it makes you, the parent, just to watch them play. The feeling you get from seeing your kid play a game they love with their their teammates should have nothing to do with what shows up on Game Changer at the end of the night. Okay. If your child walks away from their evening worried about their stats and worried about you not being happy because of their performance, you've already messed up the entire experience for, for them and you're robbing them of what should be some of the greatest memories of their lives. Um, in a sport like baseball especially, it's hard enough the way it is. Hall of Famers only succeed 30% of the time. Okay. How in the hell do you expect them to be able to go perform if they're carrying the weight of your happiness on their shoulders? They can't, okay? They can't. That's like one thing, like as parents, as supporters of these kids, we got to do better. You know, even as coaches, like as coaches, like if you're making your players feel like, you know, your level of happiness or how proud you are of them comes back to, did you go four for four or I'm happy for you. If you went over four, I'm mad at you. Like you're doing it wrong too. You're in it for the wrong reasons. So this isn't just a parent thing. This is a coaching coaching thing too, but we just got to be better at that. I can't tell you the amount of arguments I've seen over the years over game changer stats. My kid got dinged with a wild pitch or a pass ball there, but that was a wild pitch. My kid got dinged with an error there, but that was a hit. My kid got dinged with an earned run there, but that was actually unearned. My kid got the loss on the mound, but that wasn't his run. That was the next guy. You know, it's like, dude, what are we doing? Game changer moms and game changer dads, they're tough, man. They ruin it. Um... It trickles down in the, to their kids, and it just makes it really, really hard on everybody. Um, those kids just walk away some nights feeling totally defeated, feeling like totally worthless to the world because they know when they get home they're going to have to hear about their stats and they're 0 for 4. And they're just your happiness has nothing to do with your your kid's box score. It should have everything to do with just getting – seeing them out there competing, wearing a jersey, uh, and being able to do something they love with their with their teammates and the memories they're making. And all the other stuff, it's just a bonus, man. It's just a bonus. So, yeah. We gotta do better parents. If you're if you're putting your happiness on your child's shoulders, that's that, that's just really bad. You gotta be better. So that's going to wrap up my four action items. Um, as a reminder, stop making your happiness your child's responsibility. Stop trying to develop your kids too quickly. Stop living vicariously through your child and stop coaching from the bleachers. Okay. Those are the, those are the four big ones. And the two overwhelming things you have to keep in mind and keep at the forefront of everything is your identity is not tied to your child's performance. And their identity is not tied to their performance, okay? 
And those are the five key things that we have to, to work on to avoid becoming an over-involved parent. Um, just kind of, kind of some final thoughts on this as we part ways. Uh, the issue of over-involved sports parents is plaguing high school sports. Like you look around the country, it's happening everywhere, and it's not good. And as parents, we have to have the ability to have a gut check moment, look in the mirror, and ask ourselves, do we fall into any of these categories? And if we do, it doesn't make us bad people. Again, our identity is not tied into these things. Okay, the same thing we preach to our kids, you know, your identity is not tied in this. Your identity as a parent is not tied into you being an over-involved sports parent. It's just not. It's not because it's fixable. Like, you can be an over-involved parent and still be a great husband, be a great father, be a great wife, um, and all these other things. It's not who you are. It's just something that you do currently that we might need to break. So if you're if you fall in these these categories, we got to do better. Okay, you got to be honest with yourself. The same way I had to be honest with myself ten years ago and say, "Dude, you're ruining everything great for your family." I've talked about this a million times. Like, as a family, we don't sit around and talk about Jack playing baseball because I ruined that. I ruined it for him. I ruined it for my wife. I ruined it for my my mother-in-law, my parent. I mean, anybody who wanted to come watch him play baseball, I ruined it for them because of the way I acted. And um, that was tough pill to swallow, looking in the mirror saying, hey, I totally screwed this up, guys. Um, luckily, my family, my wife, my kids, well, kid at the time, um, they forgave me, you know, but... It took me like being very intentional moving forward and, and and it's tough being a coach coaching your kids. Okay. I think anybody who coaches your kid knows that, but it, like, especially for y'all, y'all are the people who have to defend against us because there's like this unwritten thing about coaching your own kid. You feel like you got to coach them harder than you coach other people's kids and you get uber like sensitive about them not performing when they're playing ahead of other people and stuff like that. You got you just got to separate yourself from it. You do. Um, there's no other way around it. We got to fight. We got to fight the urge to end up. And you got to fight the urge of end up putting yourself in a situation like I put myself in. Because the truth is our kids deserve better than what some of us bring to the ballpark every day. They've already got the weight of the world on their shoulders because of this world they live in, which is totally jacked up. Okay, this world our kids, the world our kids live in today is a hundred times tougher than the world that I grew up in. Not even close. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. The things that our government pushes down our kids' throats, the things our kids have to worry about from a, just something as simple as male versus female versus, you know, how you identify. Like, that was very cut and dry when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, now, like, they push this stuff down their throats like there's something to think about. And, and, and listen, I don't agree with it. I'm not going to make this political, but the world we live in is totally different than it was 20 years, 20 years ago, 60 years ago, whatever. So I try to give our kids some slack because of the fact that, like, they're growing up in a world that's way tougher than the world I grew up in. Um but because of the fact they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders already, 
they don't need to add your happiness as a parent, your approval and all that to the list. You know, so my challenge for everybody who took time to listen to this, whether you're a parent or a player, or a coach or whatever, um, remember these points, man, and make sure that whoever it is we're dealing with, we're giving them the best shot at making great memories through athletics while also learning some of life's most valuable lessons. Because that's why we do it. Okay. It's, it's a known fact that the stuff our kids learn through the, these sports, through team sports, individual sports, whatever, like there's some of the best lessons somebody can learn. And there's some, some of these lessons like propel them to a life that they never even thought was possible. Right. Because of these, you know, learning how to be gritty, learning how to compete, learning how to be a leader, learn how to run a team. I mean, that's all like stuff that when you get into the work workforce, you get out to just even leading your own family, right? Some of these lessons are just vital to that. So anyways, I know I've talked a lot tonight, so I'm going to shut it down. Um, Thank you again to everybody who's listened, followed, subscribed. If I ruffled any feathers on this one, I'm not sorry. Um, you know, not speaking to anybody specific, just something that this has really been weighing heavily on my heart for a while. So I'm glad I finally got this one out. Uh, if you disagree with anything I said, reach out, shoot me a message, shoot me a text, email, whatever. If you agree, let me know. A um, couple reminders. We've got... Uh, the weekly mailbag session coming up. I'm going to do that sometime this week. So, you know, if you've got anything pressing that you want to ask about or comment about, let me know. Uh, your question may be featured on the episode. Um, please do your best. If you can think of anybody who needs to hear this episode, share it with them. Nothing personal. Um, just again, what's our, I've said this a hundred times. What's our goal? My goal is to leave this world better than we found it. That should be your goal too. And however we have to do that, this podcast, this website, CoachHyman.com, my Substack, which is a newsletter, you know, the information that's in that, that's how I plan on leaving this world better than I found it. On top of, obviously, my beautiful wife and, and raising two great boys and everything else and that are hopefully going to be contributing members of society and everything else. Like, I'm, we're going to leave the world better than we found it with them as well. But um that's what the goal is. Leave the world better than you found it. If we all strive every day to try to be 1% better and leave the world 1% better today than it was yesterday, this world, all these issues we have, this world our kids are growing up with, in, it would be different. You know, we'd be changing the world for future generations. That's what we need to be doing. So anyways, all right, that's all I got. Uh, big week for the Bruins. JV and varsity. We got JV games. Uh, let's see. Thursday against Lake City. Saturday against Hartsville. Varsity is going to be on the road. Region 6-4A matchup Tuesday. Uh, home Region 6-4A matchup on Friday. It's a big week. Trying to get 4-0. Um, if you don't have anything going on, come check us out. And other than that, until next time, be cool and go Bruins. See ya.